It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with Bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got a fun show lined up today. I hope you are ready for it. We certainly are. Zach Blackerby, Michael Papp is here with you. It's going to be a crossover Thursday edition with the host of Locked On LSU, Matt Muscana. Big fan uh, of this guy. He uh, he does a radio show down uh, down in Louisiana, and he kind of has his finger on the pulse of everything. I think he does a, an outstanding job. And his voice blows uh, blows me and Michael away. So um, that is coming up real quick. Shout out to today's sponsor, Frisky Whiskey. One of uh, the very good friends of the show. Just about a 20-minute drive from Auburn and Opelika. And um, it's worth it with all the savings that you get on beer, liquor, tobacco. If, you, if, if lottery is your thing, it's all available at Frisky Whiskey right when you get into Georgia. I mean, if you buy... Uh, two handles of of alcohol. I mean, you're talking about saving uh, almost twenty bucks. It's uh, it's significantly cheaper than the ABC stores, and uh, the selection blows everything else that I've seen away. I mean, ten thousand square feet of you know all of the the different bottles of wine, beer, tequila, vodka, rum, I- anything you want. Frisky Whiskey has it. So, highly encourage you to type in Frisky Whiskey into your phone's GPS and uh, make the short, very quick trip over uh, to LaGrange to make that happen. Thank you so much to Frisky Whiskey for partnering with the show. Well, guys, I don't think the start to the season is certainly not what LSU fans had hoped for. I would imagine it's similar in Auburn as well. But this game... I don't know how y'all feel about it. For me, this is my absolute favorite LSU series because of all the wackiness throughout the years, and you never really know what to expect. So for me in Baton Rouge, LSU-Auburn always means a little bit more. I think what's interesting about this game in particular is what Auburn is going to be offensively. So let's start there. Year two of Bo Nix. I mean, Zach, give me give me your thoughts on where this Auburn offense is right now in year two under Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you saw Bo Nix's best performance, uh, especially his best performance on the road last week against Ole Miss. But up until that point, uh, a lot of Auburn folks have kind of uh, – it's left a lot to, to be desired when you look at what Bo Nix has done. And just from the, the, the scope of, I mean, this whole – off season, Auburn fans have been so excited about seeing what Chad Morris, you know, the addition of him coming in as offensive coordinator, what it would mean for this offense. I mean, you've got Bo Nix, who's the returning SEC uh, freshman of the year. A lot of excitement there. Arguably the deepest and most talented wide receiving group that uh, that Auburn's had in recent memory, anyway. And it's like, okay, cool. Chad Morris is going to come in, and they're going to, you know, they're going to throw the ball around the yard. They're going to make these defenses defend every blade of grass, and. There's all this excitement because Auburn fans have been so bummed out with this Malzahn style of offense with just run, 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 run. And so a few games into the season, the passing game's not really clicking. And then, you know, this this freshman phenom Tank Bigsby comes out of nowhere, takes the league by storm, and all of a sudden Auburn fans are like, please run the ball more. Please run the ball more. And it's kind of like this sick joke. And Michael, I mean, you've talked about this before on Locked on Auburn, just, you know, Bo Nixon, you know, what do you get? What do you get? I mean, looking at last week against Ole Miss, um, very efficient. And, um, 
I mean, I, I think you can make the argument it may have been his best start ever. I mean, didn't you say that, Pat? I thought that it was definitely Bo Nix's best game of his career, um, whether it was from a numbers perspective or just a comfort level. Uh, we didn't really see him leaving the pocket for no reason. He he stood in there. He looked more comfortable behind the offensive line. I didn't think his his happy feet that we've seen before were as prevalent in this game. Uh, and I thought he did a great job of of just kind of getting the ball to the playmakers, whether it was, you know, Tank, Seth, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove. I mean, everyone was getting involved. It Hopefully that is a something that can translate through the rest of the season because I thought the biggest difference uh, from game to game was the play calling. Uh, I thought that they leaned a little more on the running game, like Zach was just saying, uh, in this Ole Miss game. And the success that they were having in the running game did, in fact, open up the pass. You know, what's really interesting is, while I, I can certainly understand from a from an observer's perspective and a fan's perspective, you want to see a passing game. Look, I mean, I cover LSU where the passing game was like a, a curse word here for two decades, right? I mean, LSU couldn't throw the football. And then Joe Burrow comes and it's all this elation. Guys, I'm going to tell you all straight up, LSU defensively right now, as much as this might sound counterintuitive for people who have seen LSU this year because of the struggles they had in the first game against uh, against Mississippi State, but LSU's inability to stop the run is the most alarming part of this defense because that's where LSU's always been really good. I know they have DBU and everything, but a lot of that was bred from opportunities come from their ability to stop the run. I mean, y'all, Vanderbilt ran for 180 against LSU. That was like 150 after net with sack yards. But Missouri ran for 180. South Carolina's adjusted rush total at, you know, after sack yards was 197. I mean, LSU can't stop the run. They can't set the edge. They're not strong interior with them, their inside backers. Like that is for for me. I like if Chad Morris goes into this game with a plan to throw the football. That's just stupid because LSU is not proven against the worst teams in this league that they can stop the run. I look at Tank Bigsby and his start, and then I think about what Bo Nix can do, you know, with his mobility. And I'm like, why would you? Why would you even risk letting Bo Nix put the ball in the air and turn it over when LSU has proven time and again they cannot stop the run? I mean, that for me, guys, it's not about Seth Williams is great, and I think the world of him. I think he's a elite talent. He's going to be an awesome pro. Like, but I if I'm you know Bo Pelini, that's easy. I put Derek Stingley on Seth Williams and say, hey, go go win way more than you lose in this matchup and you feel good about it, LSU's got to stop the run. If they can't, I, I mean, I think that's Auburn's surest way to control this game, control the tempo of the game, and to win the game. Yeah. How much of those defensive struggles do you think is because they lost so many guys to the NFL that were obviously you know very good players? And how much of it do you think is, is I, I guess, scheme-based in coaching? Because uh, I remember after the Mississippi State game, you know, a lot of, I guess, the college football writers or whatever out there were saying that it wasn't that Mississippi State was really even good at all. It was the the LSU defensive scheme didn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, against Mississippi State, LSU just refused to go to zone. Every team since that's played Mississippi State has played zone and had a lot of success. Go figure. Um, there's no question the biggest – listen, the biggest indictment on this LSU team if they don't get it together – and even the way they've started is going to come in the spring because, you know, the, you, I mean, you know, Michael, the way you asked the question about 
you know, it, was it players or is it scheme? LSU lost a ton. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you you lose Patrick Queen and Caleb on Chasson and Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton. I mean, I can go on and on. Guys that are Sunday starters right now. But when I run through the list of guys on this team, you know, when the when the draft comes around this spring, LSU is going to have ten guys drafted again. Like th- there is there are Sunday players on this team, and I could run through names, but I. It doesn't matter if people know them or not. Just trust when I tell you, like, they've got veterans, they've got talented guys, they've got guys that are going to play on Sundays. The inability of Bo Pelini to convey his message and have these players executed is just stunning. I mean, I, I'm i not at practice, so I can't tell you how that that's going, you know, on a, on a Monday through Friday basis. But LSU's got talent. I mean, I could run through names like Jabril Cox and Damone Clark and – uh, Glenn Logan and Ali Gay, who's this freak show Adonis defensive tackle that they are defensive end they got from Juco. Everybody knows about Derek Stingley. Like they got guys that are going to be pros. They are just not playing anything like it right now. So it's hard for me to look at anything other than Bo Pelini's inability to get these guys, these elite players, playing at their max efficiency. Matt, if you're LSU, how do you play? Auburn on Saturday defensively. I mean, I'm thinking you you walk safeties up into the box, you absolutely load the box, and you dare Bo Nix to throw the football, and you put Stingley on Williams, which is a matchup that, that, that I think leans LSU's direction, and you force Auburn, you force Bo Nix to throw to somebody not Seth Williams. And I think if you can force them to do that, they're not going to be able to move the football. That's kind of been... One of the things I've been saying on Locked on Auburn throughout this week is, okay, if Stingley's able to take Seth Williams out of it, and for some reason Auburn can't run the football, I don't think they can move the ball at all. Is that guy agree? I mean, that that is the game plan, but I'm telling you, LSU's inability to set the edge is alarming. I mean, the first play of the game against South Carolina this past weekend, South Carolina runs. I mean, it was a shovel pass, but it was off a jet sweep action, right? So receiver and Washai Smith in motion. They shotgun snap, and he just shovel passes to Smith coming into motion. LSU can't set the edge. It's 36 yards around in. There were six plays, six runs of 20 yards or more by South Carolina. It's just, it's alarming, man. LSU, and I don't know how they fix it, but they're, they got to. I mean, I mean, you ask how you do it. Yeah, I mean, you stack the box. My point is they've stacked the box and still been unable. I mean, you look at LSU's rushing yards allowed, and it's 127. You go, well, that's not that bad. That's because they played Mississippi State, and State ran for seven yards in that game. Like So it's it's basically like one of your games was a giant zero. Every other game as it averages is closer to 200 yards rushing per game. So, I mean, yeah, that's – I mean, to answer your question, Zach, yes. If you're LSU, you absolutely load the box. You contain the run. You make Bo Nix put the ball in the air, and you trust that he's going to make a few mistakes like he's prone to do at times. I just don't know even if LSU stacking the box if they can stop the run. I mean, that's – it's perplexing. So what we may have happen, guys, is a game that becomes a track meet, which might benefit LSU, which we can talk about when we come back. But one thing's for sure, Dak, I know a lot of people when they're watching the game, they're going to have uh, some ice-cold Coors Light in the cooler. Yeah, I mean, you always feel like you're always on, well, you, you need a moment to chill, and uh, the Coors Light that you're going to have in the cooler is, uh, is definitely uh, made to chill. It's the beer made to chill. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. 
So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we're also brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Like literally, if you change your own oil and you want to save money on motor oil, go to rockauto.com. If you want to change your own windshield wipers, go to rockauto.com. If you need a new headlight for your vehicle, rockauto.com. If you need a carburetor for a 76 Fiat, rockauto.com. You go to the homepage at rockauto.com. Left side of the homepage, you'll see every single model from Fiat to Ferrari. They got it all right there. Then search by year, make, model, body style, whatever part you're looking for. Or just use the search tab at the top of the homepage at rockauto.com. And when you get to checkout in the how did you hear about us box, be sure you mentioned locked on rockauto.com. So, guys, I think LSU has proven at this point that defensively they're they're a sieve and they really can't stop people. So their opportunity to win games is to score. And a big question people had coming into this season was could LSU's offense churn again without Joe Burrow, without Joe Brady, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and here we are with LSU averaging 42 points a game. I think they've answered that question, but this is different because now, as Ed Ogeron has said, it's unlikely Miles Brennan's going to play, which means T.J. Finley, true freshman, is going to make his first start on the road Saturday at Jordan-Hare. And so, guys, it's a really interesting conversation around here because the last time LSU started a true freshman quarterback was actually at Auburn. It was Brandon Harris in 2014, and that game did not go well. Harris completed three passes. Uh, LSU lost 41-7. to It was a disaster. So what does Auburn do defensively on Saturday to try to slow down this LSU offense, which has been still churning at an incredible pace? I think it starts – it starts up front, just like you were saying about the LSU defense was stopping the run. Um, I know it's going to be kind of a cliche because everyone says it every time you play a, a true freshman quarterback, but making him stand back there and complete passes on the road. And I know the environment is, is less hostile than normal, but they'll still have, uh, they'll still have fans. They'll still get rowdy and forcing, um, forcing, Finley, sorry, I forgot his name there for a second. Forcing Finley hey man, to complete. I get it. Most people never heard that name until about six days ago, man. <laughs> um, forcing him to complete, you know, third and long passes, and and that that's going to give your defense the best chance to get off the field. And one of the problems Auburn has had on defense is by the end of the game they just get tired, and they've been able to come up with some timely stops these last couple weeks. But you know. I hate to be like it all starts on offense for the defense, but the defense has shown that if you can give them breaks, they'll get stops. Isn't it so weird? Like just the conversation from a year ago with LSU and Auburn to what it is now. I mean, last year was all about that incredible Auburn defensive front, like one of the best we've ever seen. Oh yeah. And now it's like, you know, and of course this elite LSU offense, and now it's like both teams defensively feel like, man, there are plays to be had against the defense, so can the offense score enough? I mean, I guess this is just sort of a fundamental shift in the entire you know, entire, entire SEC. What about in the secondary? Um, LSU's proven even without Jefferson and Chase. Terrace Marshall's a legit number one, and they've got a handful of other guys. I mean, LSU's recruited exceptionally well. They're just finally utilizing all that talent. 
can Auburn defend that many on the back end if they faced a challenge like this? Uh, they have not. The the drop-off on the defensive backfield for Auburn, I mean, they got a guy, Roger McCreary is their, their main corner, and he's been pretty pretty strong this year. And it's interesting. I mean, Auburn's starting to kind of become, you know, uh, guaranteed a, a, a second or better round corner in every draft. Nowhere near what LSU does, but as far as putting a guy in there, they're, they're, they're getting a lot better at that. And the next guy in line is Roger McCreary, and there was so much hype around him this whole offseason because he's been nothing more than a number three corner on a team, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, can he be you know, this SEC shutdown corner? And I thought the hype was a little was a little aggressive, but he's lived up to it. He's had, an, he's had an incredible start to the season. The drop-off from him to everyone else, through my eyes, is pretty drastic. Even looking at the other corner, it's been uh, either Nehemiah Pritchett or Jalen Simpson when he's healthy. Simpson won the job, but um, that's kind of been a revolving door rotation between those two guys. And then the two safeties, they came in with a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. Smoke Monday, Jamie and Sherwood. But in coverage, they've been really, really bad. And then Christian Tut, the nickel, the nickel corner, he's been, he's probably been the biggest liability in this defensive, uh, this defensive group. He actually got dinged up against Ole Miss, and some Auburn fans were like, you know, hate that he's hurt, but at least we can see this young guy, Ladarius Tennyson, this guy that a lot of folks are really excited about, Zion Puckett, this younger guy that's kind of buried on the depth chart. We finally get a chance to see them. And then it was significantly worse. So, I mean, the way you attack this Auburn defense is definitely by passing to the middle of the field. The linebackers are really, really bad in coverage. And then when you look at the guys in the middle of the field that, you know, kind of a layer deeper with your safeties and your uh, your nickel, it's, uh, I mean, they just get lost. The farther they are away from the line of scrimmage, you can tell they are, they are more and more lost. They are less and less comfortable. And it's been a liability at times. And also, you couple that with the fact, I mean, you mentioned Auburn's defensive front last year with Brown and Davidson. It was fun to watch. But they're having to cover for five, six, seven seconds. And they're just not affecting the quarterback as far as pressure goes. And wow. it's tough to cover anybody for that long. So uh, if, if I'm LSU, I'm throwing to the middle of the field. I'm throwing between the hashes as much as I possibly can. And, and if I'm Matt, you can correct me on this, but kind of to add to what Zach was just saying, um, if I'm not mistaken, TJ Finley was perfect in the middle of the field and yeah. uh, not so much on the outside. So it'll um, those are obviously going to be easier throws, but the but a big part of that too, guys, is you know Zach, I was listening to you say that <laughs> Terrace Marshall plays a lot in the slot, and and LSU affects a lot of mismatches because of that. And then they've also got a freshman tight end in Avery Gilbert, who was the you know, the Gatorade National High School Player of the Year, is the highest rated tight end in the history two four seven, and he wears number two. You'll see him. He's he's an Adonis. It's it's you. That's one of those kids when you look at him, you go, okay, well that's why that's why a guy like me could have never played in the SEC because of guys like that. Um, he fills out the jersey. He is impressive, and he's a true freshman. He's com- he's coming along as a blocker, but as a pass catcher. He's a difference maker, and they will they will absolutely force the ball to him. Um, that that actually, if you're an LSU fan, is going to sound really good because LSU is unafraid to go over the middle, and they have a lot of playmakers that can make plays over the middle. And the other thing too, if you can't affect Finley, look LSU's offensive line guys. The first three games of the season, to call it like it is, they were just bad, not okay, not struggled in spots. They were just bad. I mean, Miles Brennan got sacked five times against Mississippi State. 
I mean, it it was it was a unit that was disjointed and honestly not very good. When you're at Missouri and you have four plays from inside the two and you can't get a yard, I mean, that's that's a major problem. And they got Ed Ingram back against South Carolina, who's their left guard, and he's their best offensive lineman, and he'll he'll be he'll be an NFL guy as well. And they made a switch at left tackle as well with uh, Cam Wire going in. I think he's a better prospect than Dare Rosenthal, who's suspended, may not be back with the team. So it'll be interesting to see if that LSU offensive line can hold up because if they can give Finley time to throw, I'm telling you, I, guys, I'm not the guy that usually touts freshmen. And last week, leading into the South Carolina game for LSU, I was saying, hey, look, I think we all need to temper expectations. He's a freshman. Freshman, we know freshmen turn the ball over, just what they do, and. He was darn near flawless, and he's six six, and he's got the big arm, and you could see all the things that are really that the potential that they'll be able to build upon. But his poise was the thing that was the most impressive. I mean, he threw a pick, or it was just a miscommunication with he and the receiver, and and it was probably honestly the receiver's fault. And Finley just kind of like you know tapped his tapped his his shoulder pads like my bad, went to the sideline. I mean, he might have been checking Twitter for all I know on the sideline. I mean, it's just like he was completely unaffected emotionally by anything, which is a rare trait for a young guy. I mean, from my standpoint, I, I think LSU doesn't have a quarterback controversy. I think you got to roll with TJ Finley even when Miles Brennan comes back. I mean, regardless of what happens against Auburn, because I've seen the future and it's this kid. So, you know, I will be very interested to see if LSU's offensive line can keep Finley upright and if they can run the ball. Uh, LSU really established John Emery last week who's a former five-star running back, and a lot of fans have been calling for him for a year and a half. Like, why haven't you run this guy more? So he wears number four. That's a guy worth keeping an eye on in the backfield from LSU standpoint is if if they can get John Emery going a little bit as well. So we've been kind of ragging on this Auburn defense a little bit right now. I do want to to point some things out about what you, you were just saying. Um, you mentioned Terrace Marshall plays in the slot most of the time. Uh, I do want to point out that Elijah Moore from Ole Miss also – plays in the slot a lot, um, almost exclusively. And he had been absolutely incredible this season. And Auburn somehow sh basically shut him down last game. Uh, so not saying that that's going to happen again with with Terrace Marshall. Obviously, he he is a very good player. But I do, you know, want to point that out, that they did, you know, in the last game have success in shutting down an elite receiver uh, who plays mostly in the slot. Um, second, you, you you brought up the offensive line and, and the sacks that were given up. Auburn has done actually a, a pretty decent job lately in pressuring the quarterback. The defensive line just can't tackle anyone. Hmm. So I know against Ole Miss, they they had quite a few pressures or hurries or whatever the, the technical term is, I guess, right. uh, against Matt Corral, but they couldn't sack him. They couldn't get him on the ground. And it's – it's something that I know is very frustrating for, you know, a lot of Auburn fans in that sense. So, you know, maybe they'll be able to make TJ Finley a little uneasy back there. Um, I, I guess, I don't know if they'll be able to bring him down at all, but maybe they might at least get him off his spot a little bit. Uh, and finally, right there at the end, you said that you think they got to ride TJ Finley for, you know, ever until his arm falls off. But I, I guess I thought Miles Brennan was playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, I I know that Finley's season ceiling might be higher, but right now with the way that Miles Brennan was playing, 
I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's that's going to be a real tough decision when he when he's healthy. Especially, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't he been a quarterback at LSU since the 1940s? <laughs> Brendan, but see, here's the thing I'll tell you. Brendan in year four went out there and, w- and was playing well. The, the opener against Mississippi State, I think anyone would tell you, he did not play well. He held on the ball too long. Um, he looked very unsure, but he did get exponentially better week two and week three, no doubt. TJ Finley, in his first game ever, looked more poised and composed than a fourth-year junior. And Finley will have made two starts after this week, and Brennan's only made three. So I, I'm looking at, man, I'm looking at, a long tail game here where I know the ceiling is much higher and there isn't, there already isn't that big of a gap between the two. So I'd hate to see a guy lose his job due to injury, but if TJ Finley goes out on the planes on Saturday and plays like he did against South Carolina, then I think Finley is starting against Alabama in two weeks, but guys let's do this. Let's knock out our final break. When we come back, let's kind of talk about the, the, the line, which is LSU is a road favorite here, which is a little surprising. We'll delve into that and get some picks when we wrap up here, this crossover edition of Locked on Auburn and Locked on LSU, brought to you by Rock Auto. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked on College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, wrapping up a crossover edition, Locked on Auburn, Locked on LSU, brought to you by Rock Auto. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe both to Locked on LSU and Locked on Auburn. Rate us, leave a review on iTunes. All that is incredibly helpful as we all grow and grow the Locked on Podcast Network. We appreciate you for being here with us. All right, guys, uh, let's do some picks. First of all, give me a thought. I guess, Zach, go ahead and start. Uh, LSU's a three-point road favorite. Thoughts on that on the line? I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. You know, I... I, I kind of expected Auburn to be uh, maybe, you know, a half point to a point and a half point favorite here. Um, but I get it. Vegas is going to set what people want to bet on. And I think they're going to bet on the fact that, you know, this Auburn team, they very well could have lost <laughs> all but one of the games that they've played so far this year with with controversial calls. And I think that's kind of what a, a lot of people will see and think about when they think about this Auburn team, you know, outside of outside of the SEC. So I think that makes sense. And then, they're, you know, they're paired against the uh, the more talented, from a roster standpoint, LSU Tigers. But I think one thing that, um, that a lot of people don't fully get, I mean, obviously every team plays at home, but the difference between the Auburn Tigers and Gus Malzahn teams at home and on the road is crazy. Like it, it is crazy how different it is. Now, how different is it, you know, with, with COVID and limited fans in the stands? I don't know. I don't think we know. There's not enough data really to back that up yet, but they have won both of their home games. So I, I think it's interesting to see that line. It makes a whole lot of sense, but I think Auburn wins this game. Are we doing picks now? Are we, are we doing yeah, score predictions? Yeah, That's fine. Ahead. I'm thinking 31-28 in favor of Auburn. I'm not super confident in that, but I do think points are going to be scored here. Um, that's that's kind of the ballpark that I'm thinking. Lower 30s, upper 20s for both of these teams. Um, but I, I think at home, I feel a lot better about picking Auburn. What do you guys think? Michael, you want to go? Yeah, man, I'll, I'll go. I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take Auburn, like 
Um, it, I feel like LSU Auburn always has something very strange happen, whether it's a 20 something point comeback in, in 2017 or, uh, what is it? The, the, the six field goal game from Daniel Carlson or, uh, the, the Cole Tracy, I think the, the kick that he had to make after yeah. the two pass interference penalties got him down the field. Um, so somehow LSU is going to get to 25 and Auburn's going to have to have to get either miss a two point conversion, which wouldn't be shocking or, or kick a couple field goals to get to 27. Um, guys, if, if Auburn holds LSU under 30, LSU has no chance of winning the game because Auburn's going to score 30 in this game. Uh, LSU's defense is just unable to limit people. And I'm probably the worst person to ask for a pick on this game because I have missed so much with LSU. Uh, fool, it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I picked LSU to beat State, and they lost. I picked LSU to beat Missouri, and they lost. So when yeah, LSU I mean, played South Carolina last week, I said, hey, I don't know how anybody can look at this LSU team and pick them to win. They can't stop anybody. It's, you know, you're starting a freshman quarterback. And they go out and they put up 52 points and played their most complete game of the year. I, you know, I I think Auburn and LSU, I, the total in this game is 65, somewhere around there. I think take the over. I think this is a game in the 30s. Um I am very curious if it comes down to a kick again, and I get why LSU's favorite. I would tell you this, guys. I think if this were a full, a packed house, I would pick Auburn in the game because I would not feel comfortable taking a true freshman on the road in that environment. Um, I've been to Jordan-Hare enough. I'll tell you, one, in every road venue is loud. One of, The one that stands out most to me, being at Jordan-Hare in 2002, I don't know if you all remember a game, it was a drizzly day, and Auburn just kicked the crap out of LSU up and down the field. It was so loud. I'll never forget that day. And I think a freshman starting in that environment would not go well. I, I think the fact that it is a limited crowd does make a difference, and I think that that favors or benefits T.J. Finley. I, guys, I, I guess we're all just going party line here. I'll take LSU 38-34. I just think we have a ton of points in this game, and I'll just say if you're going to bet it, bet the over. Uh not a ton of confidence in the pick, but I do think we're just going to see a ton of points in this ballgame. And, Matt, I'll tell you one thing, and, and I agree. Obviously, uh, you're going to have a stronger home field advantage when when it's packed out, uh, especially in a rivalry game like this. But something that has been a storyline, and it's a storyline every time that Auburn's playing Georgia, LSU, or Alabama, is Gus Malzahn's record against the three of them. And it's not very good. It's not very good at all. And with Which is re- LSU. I don't know it offhand. Oh gosh, I knew you were going to ask me that. He <laughs> hasn't. He has not beat Coach O. So going back to 2016. 17. Well, 17 was the game that you referenced in Tiger Stadium with the comeback. Right. 18 mm-hmm. was the Cole Tracy kick, and then last year was the close game in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So I mean, he, he has not done. And he mentioned it at his press conference on Tuesday. He's like, the last three times have been tough losses against LSU, and it's like. Yeah, Gus. Everybody knows that. That's all everybody's talking about. But thanks for uh, thanks for bringing it up. But there, <laughs> there, there there's something, and, and a lot of Auburn fans get you know they're going to get frustrated when I say this. But there is something about Gus Malzahn when he is clawing for his job security. This sure. guy turns it on, and right. it, he's at home. And there's rumblings that, like, if he loses this game, and uh, I don't think there's any way they they win in Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl this year. It's just there's going to be a lot of influential people and people with deep pockets that are going to want him gone. 
And so he has done, I think, better than anyone in the country of realizing, oh, my seat's really hot. The ice is very thin. I need to win out or I need to win a few big games here to, um, you know, to, to kind of keep my job. He's done it better than anybody in college football. And so I think it, there, there's something about a very desperate Gus Malzahn where he finds ways to get wins. And so that's what, that's, that's what we see. That's what we see going into Saturday. So Real, real quick, because I know we have to wrap. If it comes down to it, would Auburn, this is just yes or no, would Auburn pay a 20-plus million-dollar buyout? I think a lot yes. of people want to, yeah. Okay. Wow, that's stunning, especially in a COVID culture, guys. That conversation to be continued. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much to Matt. That was fun. That was fun. Hey, we got Ferg Friday coming up tomorrow. Don't miss that. Until then, follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackery. Follow Michael on Twitter at Couch Potato. Follow the show on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. See you tomorrow for Ferg Friday. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.